So it's all Christmas music by default. Yeah. I like the upbeat ones, the cheesy ones. Driving on for Christmas. I always find That's a good that. one. Michael Bublé's Christmas album is just... You have to get that out this time of year. Come on. I'm not a Bublé fan. I appreciate some Bublé when it's the right time of year. And that time of year, December. He must be laughing when it comes to January and he goes, yep, got my money now. Actually, no, it's really awkward because how's he meant to get any money before Christmas? Because he can't do anything else during the year. Oh, you dear. think he's spending all that money, like, now he needs, like, a payday loan coming up to December. Well, I'm saying, like, he's only getting paid, like, one month in 12, and it comes after Christmas. I've also assumed he does celebrate Christmas. I think he does. It would, be, <laughs> it would surprise me if he doesn't after literally making one of the most famous Christmas albums of, of the 21st century. What, Michael Bublé comes out as Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe celebrate Hanukkah, I don't know. Hello and welcome to Unmuted Unmastered Presents Album Club Versus. I'm Will and this week I'm joined by James. Hello. Jess. Hello. And Tom. Hello. This is a show where we compare two similar or related albums in a review format. This week we're looking at two albums that are tangentially or literally related to Danny Elfman. Um... <laughs> That's how it's and Tim gone. Burton. And Tim Burton, yep, I guess. Uh, what are the other bits I do in the intro? I don't know. Uh, so this week we're going to be looking at <laughs> Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo and Batman by Prince. Uh, so we're going to begin, as we always do, by asking what did everyone know about these two albums before listening to them? I knew very little about either of these, honestly. Um, I mean, I kind of figured that the Prince album must have been related to some kind of Batman film. I presume it's the one I'm thinking of with all of the drunk Batman memes. Uh, but that's about as much as I knew about that album. I don't know that much about Prince's back catalogue, and I don't really listen to him for a variety of reasons. Um, but I actually ended up thoroughly enjoying that album. Uh, and Oingo Boingo, apart from having one of the best names in pop music, um, I knew were, again, again, slightly meme in my mind. I don't know whether they are or not. It just feels like a band that's got such a silly name, and uh, so I've discovered makes such silly music that it's worth it. But coming into this very unawares, didn't know anything. James? Um, yeah, similar situation really. Uh I knew Prince did a track for uh Batman, didn't know he did a whole album. Um Oingo Boingo, Dead Man Party. Um I think I know a couple of the songs briefly from some place I don't know, but gen generally don't really know anything about the albums. Jess? So I chose Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo and that was off the back of hearing Weird Science, one of the tracks on it, which I liked. That was the first time I'd ever heard them. Um, so I'd heard about them in like music groups I'm in quite a lot and I'd heard that they were a bit like polarising in terms of what people thought of them or who enjoyed them and I thought that sounded quite interesting and kind of funny and I'd seen comparisons to things I'd liked and also, yes, it is the best name ever that makes me smile every time I hear it. And then for Prince, obviously I know of Prince. I know quite a lot of his songs, which I like, but I'd not heard anything about this album. I had no idea he actually wrote this album at all. Um, so quite quite intrigued, to be honest. This one's had some interesting context around it, I think. We'll get onto that. And then you, Will? So I tangentially like heard of Oingo Boingo, I think from my dad and my uncle, like, it's just kind of, like, one of the artists that they'd mention every now and then. 
I guess I'd kind of assume that they'd be like Happy Mondays. Batman, I knew that Prince had done the soundtrack for the 89 Batman, but I hadn't seen the movie or listened to any of the music before. So I was mostly coming in fresh. So, let's start with Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. It's the fifth studio album by the American New Wave Band. It released on the 28th of October 1985 on MCA, which is a subsidiary of Universal. And it was produced by Danny Elfman and Steve Bartek, who's, who are the band's lead vocalist and guitarist. And I chose this album. No, Jess chose this album. I chose Batman. We'll get onto that. Actually, no. Let's do it now. Uh, I chose Batman based on Oingo Boingo because I didn't know that Danny Elfman was the lead singer of a, a band. I'd only heard of him because he did, you know, the scores to the Spider-Man movies and stuff. Jess, what did you think of this album? Um, Overall... I had fun with this album, um, although I will say I at points wished it was slightly weirder, um, because at points it kind of just became, a very, it was very grounded in like the sounds of its time, i.e. the 80s, um, and at some points it did sound a little bit dated, I thought, so I kind of wanted it to be a bit more wacky almost and lean into that really hard, because I think I enjoyed it the most when it was kind of just doing whatever the hell they wanted and not trying to stick to kind of normal 80s pop conventions or anything i it has a lot of like creepy or like halloweeny sort of themes which i enjoyed i thought that was weird and cool and it was nice um and it does make an awful lot of sense because I, I didn't know any of the context really i didn't i only vaguely knew who danny elfman was to be honest so i've done a lot of research on this and learned an awful lot it makes so much sense to me that this is the same guy who wrote the music for nightmare before christmas and apparently sings Jack's songs in The Nightmare Before Christmas. That, like, pieces are fitting together in my mind. Um, and also, I don't know if anyone else knew this, so I'm getting away from impressions, but I had to mention it. Apparently he wrote The Simpsons theme, too. So Did he? Yeah. Wow. Apparently he wrote it in, like, like in the car on the way home from meeting with, like, Matt Groening or something, like, and records it in, like, a day. I will mention like something that I really liked about this album is, and it's something that is has a similarity with the Prince album too, is that it uses like very different and distinct layers of melodies. So they're not trying to blend together. Like in our previous week's albums, Sunbather and Seven, we were talking about how it had lots of different things that blended together to make like an overall sense of a single emotion maybe, or it was, yeah, I think we use the term wall of sound a lot. This is very different. Like, there's there's still a lot of stuff going on, but they're all separate. They're all intended to keep separate. And then they kind of build up together to more, like, create an overarching bigger melody that's made up of, like, these small sections and different instruments. So they're kind of contrasting each other rather than, yeah, merging in. Do you know who produced the uh, soundtrack of The Simpsons movie? The Simpsons movie? I do not. Yes. Hans Zimmer. Prince. Oh, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. I'm, I'm as surprised as you are. In uh, Batman v Superman, at the beginning, where it comes up and it's like a uh, soundtrack by Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a right. one. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go next with my overall thoughts on this album. I enjoyed it in general. Uh, yeah, I like how all of the different instruments are used together. And the way you were describing it, Jess, it, it kind of reminded me of thinking of like, um, kind of like heavy bass music, like Bro Step and stuff, <laughs> like Skrillex and Knife Party, right? Where they do have to do the same thing. And you, you can hear it in like the bad ones where they're just throwing a bunch of sounds together. And then in the, the good ones, like Knife Party, actually like do it kind of like this, where all of the sounds kind of add together to make something bigger than the parts but that's kind of an aside uh i like how all of the synths are so i've written charming uh Aww. but you can read that as cheap and um <laughs> like old <laughs> they're all like so bad Corny. and most of them sound like like video games from the 90s which i guess is after this but also 
like weren't super high production value or couldn't be high production value on the soundtracks, right? And they were still the most prominent and ones that were most easily available. So it does make sense the two do mm. uh, overlap to a surprising degree. I'm I'm kind of just echoing everything you've said, Jess. When the tone hits, it really works. Uh, we'll get into the individual tracks and which I think do work and which don't. This was by far my favourite album that I've listened to so far in the series. By far. Wow. That is quite high praise. Um, this was energetic and colourful and yet soulful. Um, I love the energy. I love the way the instruments were fused together and how they had this great synergy. Um, that charming... Um, early synth sound like you said will i think i said the same thing um last week about another album what name escapes me but it's just something wonderful about that sequenced fm synth sound it's really really gorgeous and it's really nice to hear um yeah this was uh, an album which really really surprised me there's um a lot of um energy which i um connected with other bands that I like, Crowded House. There were bits and pieces here and there which I could connect it to. Also Scar as well. Some of these sounds were not sound out of place on a Madness album. You know, it, it wouldn't it would work. Um but I like this weird hab dash style. Um and I kind of am happy that it didn't go any crazier. This feels like perfect festival music. If Oingo Boingo were on the main stage and they started playing this, I'd have the time the time of my life, honestly. Yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, what I would say is that this is an album that when I sat down to listen to it and to critique it, it fell apart. This was an album that um, was most at home when I had to um, stroll down the shops or when I could boogie on around my kitchen. It was really, really fun just to sit in this space and absorb it for a while and get lost in it. It was a really, really fun album to listen to, um, but I would hate critiquing it, which is what we're going to do now. Yeah, um, I have a lot of similar thoughts. Um, I think this is one of the albums that the songs get stuck in your head without you realising they're going to be stuck in your head. Uh, I'll mention some of those songs in a bit. Um, very of its time, very 80s, and that's both of these albums actually do that. Um I really like the bass a lot of the time. So the bass guitar and the bass synths, they sound fat and juicy and yeah, they sound really cool. Um, yeah, a lot of the songs do go on and on and on. And I think I, yeah, there's, there's these phrases um, in the lyrics that sound really cool and those are the bits that get stuck in your head, but those are the bits that get repeated and repeated and repeated. Um, when it does get a bit weirder with like weird science, that's when I really like it. That's really where it really stands out. Um, yeah, and I did want that throughout the album, um, but generally, it's it's really cool sounding um, and nothing really offensive about it. It's really fun and the the um, wind slash brass and everything works really well with the, their sound. And yeah, um, I think it has a lot of comparisons to the Prince album, which we'll get to. Let's go a bit more in depth then. Uh, the opener is called Just Another Day, and it features as the opening theme of the 1985 movie That Was Now, This Is Then. It also featured in Season 2, Episode 1 of which Netflix series, Tom? Pardon? <laughs> Stranger Things. Oh, I just know Why the Tom Earth would I know that? <laughs> Although that episode takes place on the 28th of October 1984, <gasps> exactly a year before this album and the song would release. Wow. I'm still confused why you thought I would know that. Because you're our pop culture connoisseur, Tom. But I've never watched Stranger Things. Just, Tom, just say you knew it. Oh yes, I knew it. Yes, of course. Let's move on. Just Another Day was a really cool track. Um, that sequence kalimba sound at the beginning was really fun. Uh, that really woke me up. The guitars were also another bit which, funnily enough, I picks up on 
the way it was synergized with the bass and the power that it had without being overwhelming was really nice. It was just enough to um, partner the bass, which really drove the song along. Really, really nice. Lots of classic. Uh, I can imagine this is the kind of song that my bass guitar teacher would have shown me and gone, right, this is how you play bass to drive the song along. You know, this is a, a 101 in 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 rhythm playing and in being part of the rhythm section and how that drives this pop melody along yeah i really like the is there a marimba type sound at the beginning that kind of thing kalimba or marimba something like that yeah it really made me think of like an early 90s fighting game (laughs) like i can imagine walking up to a street fighter cabinet playing this um what i liked less was when the guitar comes in it felt like like an american football rally you know where they've got like you know people are all out with their like lager or whatever and they're all shouting about i don't know patriotism and football or whatever and then the lyrics i didn't love they seem to be aiming for like echo and the bunnyman right like we talked about the killing moon when we were doing our halloween playlist and it seemed to be going for that kind of theme but they're a bit basic and like the fact that the song didn't feel that way kind of undermines the lyrics themselves because it's like, okay, so you're trying to be creepy, but then it doesn't feel creepy when, you know, people are over here shouting about whatever. Football. I want to buy a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was quite... A, it was a solid, like, new wave pop track, but it was quite dated, I think, in comparison to some of the tracks on here. Um, so it wasn't really one of my favourites, which is a little bit sad for an opener, I guess. I kind of thought it would, yeah, for for what it was, it was, it was relatively well done. So I can kind of imagine it being like, if it was on rotation, like, or replacing some of the other songs of this type and of this era that are on like radio shows a lot, it would be quite a nice welcome change to have it heard more often. Um, but that, that isn't a particularly high bit of praise, to be honest, um. It's just like it's it, it's a it's a good decent pop song to be heard every now and then, but it doesn't have the spooky feel, sadly. So yeah, not not one of my favourites. Yeah, I actually really like the sound of this uh, track. I was listening to it and I was like, I hope the rest of the album doesn't sound like this because I know this is going to get old really fast. And I don't think it, I don't think the rest of the album really did sound like it too much um when he sings just another day like the way he sings day is really cool and that's the bit that got in my head yeah um yeah that's all i have for this one well track two is dead man's party and i think this is the best song on the album i think it's where they get the tone just right it's just really weird and then the lyrics are really like morose (laughs) so it has that kind of counterplay like wanted in the first track but didn't get um yeah there's like that back and forth between the vocals and the guitar and then it switches to kind of being the guitars and then the horns um the synth bass is just so like lame but it it actually works (laughs) but it works this is the thing Mm. uh the the hook in the chorus is good and yeah it it just all comes together as a package in a way that the first track didn't for me it's such a spinning on the floor in circles kind of riff, uh, <laughs> in the sense that I could visualize exactly what this build, this um, I could visualize exactly what this music video sounded like, and I could see like, I don't know, I can see like black and white checkerboard, and I can see whole white sets, and I can see stupid yellow jumpsuits, and I can see all of this happening. Uh, oh, sounds like my dream. It was, it was, yeah, it, 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 that sounds like fun. You wait um, until I get my own house. The, oh man, <laughs> now I'm getting ideas. Ignore me. Uh, Scar Energy as well, loads of it here. Um, again, this wouldn't feel out of place next to Madness, but it also wouldn't feel out of place next to Crowded House. Again, exactly what I said earlier. Vocals are kiddish, but I really like it. It's got this kind of, um, 10 year old singing to the radio kind of vibe and i love it i really adore it um and the horns are really refreshing as well i didn't like this one as much as actually um 
it's still enjoyable, but not as much as the other tracks on this album. Uh, I like the, I did like the bass, um, but yeah, the the tune kind of repeated a bit too much for me. Um, kind of like a funk trope, really. It like stayed on this one chord. Um, yeah. This is one of my favourites, I think. Hang, hang on. Gosh. I've got Just things to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is one of my favourite tracks, I think, of this album. Um, yeah, it's just got these, like, the bass lines are super funky and they feel really spooky, which is funny. Um, or they're kind of campy. The horn riffs are super punchy as well. That's fun. Um, and it, it, I put in, like, my notes the word jittery in terms of, like, the the time signatures, I guess, the different parts seem to be... It was like, it's almost just about to stop and then it would, like, restart and go into the next kind of bar or something. I don't it know. It does play with the swing a little bit in this track. Yeah, So okay. it feels like it's almost um, rocking along. It's like there's, um, I don't know, if you're in a car and one of the wheels is running flat or something, you know, it feels like it's bobbing along a bit. Um, yeah, I was... Which, again, I love... I was thinking about being in a car actually and especially towards the end like different instruments feel like kind of following different structures in the song that don't quite match up in time in time with each other and it to me it felt like if you're going along in a car and you think you're about to like stop somewhere maybe someone else is driving and then suddenly it's like nope you just turn 90 degrees really sharply and you're going down another bit for a bit and you think you're going to stop again nope it just turns again and it keeps doing it it's just like kind of making you confused Go on then, Jess. Why don't you kick us off on Heard Someone Cry, then? All right. This one I don't have quite as much to say about, but I did like the instrumental parts and the verses kind of had these uh, dramatic sound of like the big horns and stuff going on. And then it transitioned into like a poppier, lighter sound in the choruses, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, it made it quite catchy. Like The chorus was surprisingly catchy, or it sort of grew on me after a while. Um yeah, the the more the, the the verses sounded like they could could have been in a film, I guess. I mean, you know, I wonder why that would be. Yeah, it definitely has a more theatrical sound to it. Um, I really like in the chorus they have those subtle backing vocals that kind of like lift everything up as well. Um, and also, is there a real bass guitar in this? I feel like someone else might have a better idea on that because it sounds like someone's playing a bass, but they're trying to make it sound like a synth. <laughs> you could it's you could track both, or you could be playing a synth where you've got like two um, lines in it, so you got like a really synthy version and like a sort of like very flat, um, boring bass sound. Uh, well, standard, regular bass sound. That was my own. That was literally my only notes for this track was Jiminy Crickets that bass. That's all I've got. Yeah, well, other than that, um, the guitars I really enjoyed. They were really kind of smooth and luscious, but also kind of filthy at the same time um, in terms of what they're playing. I just really like the sound of the guitars. Next up, we get to No One Lives Forever. And this is really where you start to hear the Danny Elfman that would go on to write the music for Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Yeah. And like the vocals and the piano, it's just... It's almost a dead ringer for it. <laughs> this was such a House of Mirror sound. Uh, I loved it. It really felt like, I don't know, you could put place this uh, track anywhere in the funfair and it would fit absolutely perfectly. <laughs> um, that guitar and sax, the marriage of those two on the hook. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Um, again, loads of weird scar energy, but it's not quite as tuneful or rhythmic as um, a lot of other stuff. It feels a lot more um, chaotic um, if there was ever such a thing as a mosh pit at a, at a scar concert. I think this would probably be the track. I have been to many of those in my life. I can confirm they exist. And I wouldn't <laughs> ever use the word tuneful for any of the concerts I've been to. Less than Jake are going to revoke your fan club membership, Jess. <laughs> Wow. I'll have to hand in my little hat. <laughs> hand in your checkered belt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the point in the album at which I like paused it and went to go on YouTube and watch the Nightmare Before Christmas clips because yeah. I just wanted to see the comparison. I This is peak clown music to me. I loved it. Um, I loved the scar sound. It was quite a throwback for me personally. 
even though this is earlier than most of the stuff I've used to listen to. Um, and also, does anyone not think it sounded basically exactly like We Are Number One from Lazy Town? <laughs> There's literally a bit where it's like, do, 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 hey. Yeah. Lazy Town and Nightmare like, for Christmas. It's like some weird combination. And um, it, yeah. I, I was thinking that it would be, if, it, if this was in a film, um, it would be a scene in which, like, there's a character, like the main character maybe is like shy or kind of conservative and they're suddenly thrust into a group of new people who are in some way weird or at least weird from the perspective of the conservative main character and they're kind of like getting pinballed around, introduced to this new group uncomfortably and then gradually they end up liking them, whatever. James, what's the name of the next song? I don't have the songs written down. That's not the name of the next song. I only have the numbers, <laughs> then I have to look. <laughs> What's the number of the next Stay song? Became a hit Stay. in Brazil and was used as a theme song for the Brazilian telenovela Top Model, which increased the popularity what? of the band in that country and resulted in a Brazilian compilation album titled Stay. Wow. This is such a rogue episode, like, in terms of facts and things. <laughs> this is great the chorus in this song reminded me of Two-Face in the sense that the first two lines are really good and then the next two lines are really terrible and just like <laughs> I'm like oh I'm enjoying this chorus and then I'm like oh no the whole thing's ruined should we go on to Fool's Paradise then it starts quite interestingly where it, sa it sounds kind of like a Jet song mm. um but then it kind of goes back to being more of the same as the rest of the album. I don't have much more to say about it. I mean, it's got a rock flair, but it does at this point feel like I know what the DNA of this band is. But then again, it's kind of nice that um, there have been a few different bits which have shined throughout. And this feels much more like a um, guitar driven rock take on this sound uh, compared to the others on the album. Let's go on to Help Me, because I want to see if other people have made the same note that I have. And the first one is that it sounds a little bit like Fleetwood Mackey, like it's got that kind of horses galloping rhythm to it, like the... That's actually completely true, yeah, I hadn't realised that, but... Good point. Um, And I really like the breakdown with like the rim shot and the guitar solo in it, that works. But then the thing I want to see if other people thought as well is that in the chorus, it turns into a Shrek song. Like the vocal <laughs> melody, it's got the organ to it. Wow. It sounds just like something that would have been in Shrek. Oh, and our last proper episode of the year as well. That's such a perfect way to bring it full circle. <laughs> oh, yes, it's bingo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the shaky vocals um, there, they're really interesting and, I, yeah, really impressed me. Um, the, there was like a sax solo and a guitar solo, but they did like the similar things. Uh, that was really interesting. Um, but like one of the later choruses, there was like a sort of drum roll thing at the start of it, which was really odd and really out of place. Um, don't know what happened there, but yeah, I like the bass in this one as well. It all came together quite well for me. Cool. Same man I was before then. Uh... I feel like this is just a worse version of Dead Man's Party. Like, it's it's kind of the same thing, and it's just kind of happening again. I did like the female vocals near the end, though. Those were nice. But mm. otherwise, it's, yeah, kind of more of the same, I guess. Yeah. It, is, it isn't one of the best ones. Like, it is kind of just similar. But I did like it at the same time. Um, I noticed that there was a sort of cool, like, counter melody going on with the horns that... Um, and the drums kind of, I guess there wouldn't be a melody, but they sort of did the same thing where like when the vocals were going along, which was basically the bass line, then it came in with like the drums being doing more fills and things of the horns at the same time, which was just quite a nice like back and forth between the two. Gave it a nice rhythm. The final track on the album, Weird Science, was written for the John Hughes movie of the same name and was used again as the theme to the television series on the USA Network. I really like this song. I mean, this is a song that made me choose this whole album. Um, 
it's very much like blinded me of science science kind of feel of like it has a very similar feel yeah. to that. Yeah. I think it was around the time that we were doing Halloween stuff that I found it. Sue looking at similar playlists and things. Um, and I had the same thing again of like the mad scientist kind of theme or the lyrics anyway. With um, when I talked about Lemon Demon. Like, I don't know if anyone actually has heard that since, but it's it's carrying on in the same sort of vein. Um, yeah, this song's so much fun. It's just got like such a funky bassline. It. I really like the way in particular that the vocals, well, just generally, but the vocals particularly, kind of roll the song along, like, continuously. It's a bit like um, what I was saying earlier about it not wanting to kind of end the the bar, but this one doesn't kind of change direction so much as just keep going on and it just doesn't give you a chance to breathe. Like, it, it just merges all sections together so that there's no gap or pause between, like, verse to chorus, which is just a nice... Yeah, nice drive to it. My only notes for Weird Science were um, this should be Bill Nye's theme tune. That's all I got. <laughs> I picked out the vocals as well, uh, especially the intro, intro vocals. They're, yeah, they're really cool and interesting. Uh, the bass and the horns worked really well together. And yeah, this is this is still in my head right right now from listening listening to it earlier. It's just it's just yeah, it's just in there. Oh, the start, actually. The vocals right at the start did remind me of... Well, you might know this. The song, Sound of Silver. Yep. It's... Did you notice that too, or...? No. But I know the song. Um, There's some vocal harmonies at the end. That reminds me of a more modern, uh, like, rock band, but I can't put my finger on it. I think I'm going to have to keep listening to it. Mm. I'm not sure. I might have to re-listen... Yeah. in that context and see if I can think of anything. Yeah, I think it's a fitting end to the album. It kind of brings together a lot of the stuff that they've been doing. Um, any final thoughts on Dead Man's Party before we move on? No One Lives Forever was probably my favourite out of the lot. Uh, or Same Man I Was Before, actually. Like the lyricism in that one. Yeah, the more weird and Halloween-y, the more likely I am to listen to it again on this album. And I'm definitely... it's, I'm grateful for its introduction to Danny Elfman as a... I don't know, his body of work, I guess, knowing that that's who made it. Right, let's go on to Batman then. Batman by Prince, the 11th studio album by the artist, released on the 20th of June 1989, uh by Warner Brothers Records. Uh, it hit number one in the UK album charts. Originally, the songs 1999 and Baby I'm a Star from Prince's earlier albums were slated to be used in the movie Batman 1989, but Prince instead recorded an entire album's worth of material with Batman samples and lyrics after uh, <laughs> the director, Tim Burton, asked him to, to write some new songs for it. From what I've read... Uh, those two songs, 1999 and Baby I'm a Star, were put into like a test uh, like pressing of the album and then Prince watched it and then basically wrote a whole album like based on the events of the movie. <laughs> and then Tim Burton was like, I don't want to put all of these songs in the, <laughs> the, the movie because it doesn't really work. So this is kind of a weird like half soundtrack and half like songs inspired by <laughs> just prints his own fan project well it's almost a soundtrack but then it's also accompanying music as well so you know it's mm. in the same way that there's harry potter the theme park ride there's now batman the album i guess <laughs> let's have some general thoughts on this one I'm interested to hear what, what people think in general. Moments of chalk and cheese in equal measure. Um, some bits I really like, some bits I really hated. This was also tainted by my own personal view of Prince um, as a person and as an artist. Um, who is someone I don't really like that much for various reasons. Um, yeah, but he does know how to write a guitar riff and... He, how to create funky, freaky pop music 
Wanda. It's really, really um, distinct in a way that I have listened to, to 1999 was his other big album. Uh, and I much prefer this one. I much prefer Batman. Um, Going into this, I was expecting more like Batman. Um, I mean, that <laughs> I was think like, Tim Burton was, was like, too. Or... Missold. <laughs> there were like a lot of audio clips and everything um, from it, but <laughs> Prince in some songs just like went Prince. He didn't like mention <laughs> Batman at all or anything. Um, very much of its time, very 80s. Um, I think you could put a lot of these songs on a playlist um, like a party playlist and no one will complain. It's just like pure dance music. It's really fun. Um, I guess, uh, guess one thing is that uh, within each of the songs, like uh, our previous album, um, it kind of goes on and on and it, there's not too much variety as much as I wanted it there to be. Um, but yeah, a lot of that is because it's kind of fun and it wants to play on the same thing over and over again. Um, but I did think the length was quite good. Um, you're kind of in in it and you're out of it. Um, and it sounded very Prince as well. Um, and I, I enjoyed that. It's interesting that you mentioned this isn't Batman enough for you. In the album's liner notes, the lyrics of each shot, song are associated with one of the characters in the film. <laughs> the future oh. and scandalous are credited to Batman, while Electric Chair, scandalous. Party Man and Trust are credited to the Joker. Vicky Waiting is sung from the perspective of Bruce Wayne, while Lemon Crush comes from Vicky Vale. The, co uh, the two characters share the duet, The Arms of Orion. Bat Dance, whose lyrics consist mostly of samples from the film, <laughs> is credited to, credited to all aforementioned parties, as well as Gemini, Prince's Batman-centric alter ego that resembles Batman villain Two-Face. Uh, <laughs> Prince himself is credited with singing only two lines of the album, uh, who do you trust if you can't trust God? Who can you trust? Who can you nobody entrust? And the word stop, which ends the album. Which is not actually by him, though. Like... Oh, yeah. Uh, it's actually a soundbite of Michael Keaton, despite <laughs> Prince being credited as, <laughs> as a musician. So, yeah. Now I'm just confused. So basically what we've done there is that Bat Dance is Batman's um, One Day More, except it's not a musical and we're not in um, Revolutionary France in Les Miserables. Maybe it would be more exciting if we were. Can you imagine if you tried to rework 1989 Batman uh, into the French Revolution? I think that would be an interesting, like, you know, art piece. <laughs> Let's call it that. Jess, what did you think of this album? Um, if I had to sum this album up in one word, it would be wild. Um, I don't really know what was going on oh, yeah. at many points. So, and the more I hear about it, the less I know. I haven't actually seen this Batman film, I feel like I should say, but it does not generally sound like what you'd expect for any Batman film or any superhero film, bar maybe something like Guardians of the Galaxy that's trying to be a bit irreverent. But other than that, it's very much not what I was expecting. Or... Yeah, not what I was expecting for anything to do with Batman anyway. Um, it's very 80s again. Very much the product of its time. Although I did think that in comparison to Oingo Boingo, there was a bit more variety in terms of the, the sort of actual sound of it and in terms of the kind of emotion it was aiming for. Like it was, it was just, it was doing, it was trying different things, which is quite nice to keep it interesting. Um... <laughs> I just uh what really made me laugh was just the the <laughs> it was just a disconnect. Like I feel like I feel like Prince, yeah, just watched this once and then was just like so enthusiastic, like you said, just and maybe didn't maybe didn't really fully understand what Batman what was what was being gone for in this film anyway. And then just made up this like crazy fan project. It was fun though. It was fun. I enjoyed the experience. I swear some of it is just, yeah, Prince doing his own thing. Well, actually, um, three of the songs, Electric Chair, Scandalous and Vicky Waiting, uh, had been recorded prior to Prince taking on this project. Uh, Vicky Waiting was originally known as Anna Waiting, 
which was named after his then-girlfriend, Anna Fantastic. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah, he just kind of used those ones because <laughs> they fit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's there's more variety here than on the Oingo Boingo album, but I feel like each individual thing doesn't work as well, specifically because they're, they're just a bit sparse. Like, the Oingo Boingo album has so much going on all of the time, and it, it all fits together, whereas this one feels like they've taken that and then stripped out, like, six or seven of the elements, and what you're left with, it just feels a little bit empty in comparison. Yeah. Um, and also, having lots of different things, there are a few moments that I really enjoyed, and then there were other ones where I thought, this just isn't kind of working for me. Should we get into it properly, then? Yes. We open with the track The Future, uh, which I think is my favourite song on the album, actually, and probably set me up to be disappointed with the rest of it, because it starts the album, I think, strongly. Because it's got, like, that dance vibe. It, it almost feels a bit dance-punky. Obviously, mm. it's kind of, like, you know... It's influenced by the influences of dance-punk, but it has that kind of, like, dry, woody drum machine sound to it. Um, and like some like wobbling synths, uh, and then you get like some orchestration coming in and bring like a very different vibe, and then there's like a funk guitar that feels also kind of out of place. But maybe that's me thinking too much about the dance punk link. But no, it is. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty out of place. Um, but yeah, overall for me. It it kind of works, like it makes sense. It's got that cool Batman quote at the beginning as well, right? Mm. Uh, that's interesting because this felt... Uh, I didn't feel this did set me up for the rest of the album and I actually felt it was fairly um, sterile in the sense that uh, whereas a lot of the other tracks have very corny, out there ideas, this felt very safe. Um and it felt like a peculiar track to open on, in my mind. Um, it seemed like sort of four minutes of what I expected the opening four minutes of a soundtrack tie-in to sound like. Uh, yeah. Some of guitars got boring really fast. I don't know whether anybody else noticed that. That as like ascending, descending um, sample pad, uh, which came in like a couple of points, I thought, I've heard this once and I don't want to hear it again. Um, Atonal like string pad things were kind of weird and wacky. I did enjoy that, but that was it. This felt like uh, it was a bit out of place compared to the rest. I agree that it seemed like an odd starting point for the album, to be honest. Um, I, I thought that maybe this is the sort of track that would typically be about three quarters of the way through an album, like just after the kind of middle peak of an album going towards the end. Um, it was nice. I did like it, but it wasn't the most punchy. And yeah, that, that was partly why I thought it was an odd place to start. But I did like the kind of dark atmosphere of it. It felt like you're in a city, which I can imagine maybe he was trying to set up sort of the the scene of, you know, Gotham or whatever. So I guess maybe that's why he put it first. Um, I did also notice that this is like the first... There's a few times in this album, I say a few, maybe more than a few, where Prince is a bit of a wild card of his lyrics. Um, and one that sort of stood out to me is not particularly great, maybe, is um, this one where he says, Yellow Smiley offers me X like he's drinking 7-Up. I would rather drink six razor blades. And it just... Yeah. Apparently it's based on like a real-life experience of him having like a bad ecstasy trip or something and not, you know, then wanting to reject like drugs after that. So I get it, you know, based in reality. Also, I mean... Is this or is this not supposed to be out prints? I don't know, but um, just it I don't kind know. of links into the events of the movie, which I tangentially know about. Right, <laughs> um, it is also meant to be Gotham City. Like I can imagine there are a couple of drug dealers around the place. True, but if it's supposed to be based directly off Prince's real life, it, it just no, it's a bit random. But um, but yeah, like just I don't know. I thought it was a bit clunky the way it's like saying six razor blades, like in reference to the seven and seven up, but it's just kind of made me, I don't know, made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, I thought the lyrics were pretty interesting. Um, 
he like talks about how the future he's seen the future and it's the way forward but also it's rough i was like yeah that's true <laughs> very rough also um, you let's not forget let's not forget that this song is actually sung from batman's perspective so obviously it can't if it is right. about prince's real life it's batman singing about prince's real life <laughs> <laughs> in the dc universe <laughs> prince exists that's that's what i found it of an odd disconnect i think was like is this from prince's perspective or from batman's perspective i can't tell at points i feel like whatever. we're entering a logic circle here uh, and i don't like it <laughs> um the little funky harmonic run things the guitar did towards the end i actually did like um and the whole song as a whole is very Prince to me, um, and kind of kind of how he allows the guitar specifically to um, room to breathe, and it's kind of stripped back a bit. Uh, yeah, I quite like this track. I think the next track probably sets up the album better. Yeah, in in the way of like actually yeah. representing what you're gonna get in Electric Chair. Uh, it goes into more of like a funky pop direction. There's a clavinet. That's something I noted. It's certainly there. Full Stevie Wonder here. Mm. <laughs> I really like this one. This felt really, really uh, chunky and groovy. Uh, or rather, I like the instrumentation. Riven Guitar was um, probably not played for an amp, but probably gone straight into the desk, which is why it's got that really snappy, um, flat, um, almost spiky sound to it. But it works. It really pairs with the bass nicely and it sounds really, really nice. And the acoustic, I think, was doing exactly the same thing because it had this weird, uh, almost electronic quality. I wish I could adore this track. I really wish I could, but the lyrics are gross at best and creepy at worst. Um, your face looks so good. I wanted to touch your mouth. My brain is jacking all over the place. Um, I can imagine that this is a bloke who did have several sexual assault allegations put across him during his lifetime, which is true. Um, yuck. This is awful. Are we moving on to the next song? No, uh, yeah, if I people guess. have something to say, they can, they can do. Um, so the next song is The Arms of Orion. And I thought this would be a good time to bring in this fact. In a 2001 Rolling Stone interview, uh, Prince revealed that the project was initially supposed to be a collaboration between himself and Michael Jackson. He said, quote, Did you know that the album was supposed to be a duet between Michael Jackson and me? He as Batman, me as the Joker, end quote. Prince would have sung folk songs for the... Uh, folk songs? Prince would have sung <laughs> funk songs for the villains, while Michael Jackson would have sung ballads for the heroes. Which I think gives some context to <laughs> yeah. why this song comes out of nowhere and is just like nothing so like anything else on the record. Yeah, so that's yeah. why. Yeah, that explains a lot if that is true. Um, that explains why it really doesn't <laughs> land at all. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought the prince's voice really wasn't good here. It didn't work. The idea in principle, fine, but this just didn't pair. I think that's a nice idea, like the the Michael Jackson collaboration. Like overall, that sort of thing where you have different like genres for the hero and the villain sounds like a cool project to work on. Um, and the thing I I read that quote. I knew you were going to say funk, but I cannot get over the image of um, Prince just like pulling up a little wooden stool and getting out his acoustic guitar, <laughs> and someone Johnny comes along Cash with a flute. And Bob Dylan. <laughs> No, oh, I was thinking more Mumford and Sons. Oh yeah, banjo. <laughs> yeah, this song's very like I don't know, it's very very much an eighties ballad, isn't it? Um I noted that on the like at least on Spotify, well, I suppose in the liner notes as you mentioned, um there's like no one on Spotify there's no one else credited to this uh like singing on this song other than Prince, so I just basically like to make the assumption that Prince is singing both parts here. Sheena Easton. <laughs> and he's just got a very good range. <laughs> yes, I know, but it's more fun thinking about it my way. Yeah, this song was not my jam. Uh, but I guess it, it gave variety to the whole album. Um, yeah, it was very out of place. 
the thing that I kept coming back to, like, you know that meme about the Titanic theme where someone's uh, playing the penny whistle line super badly? <laughs> I kind of got those vibes for L. <laughs> oh, at least this, just this track, not the entire thing. Even that's a bit cruel for me. <laughs> is it penny whistle or piccolo? It's probably piccolo, isn't it? Or something. I don't know. Whatever that thing is. Or a recorder, yeah. The next song is Party Man, uh, which I noted sounds just like a Halloween party. <laughs> like It's just got that vibe to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I kind um, of thought this track was just like a fairly typical Prince sound, except just not as good as like the tracks he's usually known for. To bring a positive mm. in, I did think right at the end there's like a little horn part, and I, I quite liked that bit. It does this throughout. A few different tracks have like a horn section which appears, and it's so <laughs> refreshing. Uh, and Oingo Boingo weirdly did the same thing. Uh, yep. So there's a connection. I like the Jack Nicholson samples. They're quite fun. Um, but the drums, like, they didn't change up at all. It just, so it just went on and on. It's kind of boring. Vicky Waiting. Uh, parts of this kind of sound like the menu music from a 90s game. Like... Like kind of a chill one, like like a fishing game or something. <laughs> yep. I put soundtrack to a nineties game too, but that, that was specifically Spyro. This is oh very, yeah, that should make sense. Very Spyro at points, and I'm not sure how. I might try and dig around later on YouTube and see if I can find like a specific track I'm thinking of. But I liked the synth sound on this track. It was quite a nice variation. It was a bit lighter sounding. I don't know something. Where did it was quite catchy, like an it wasn't a particularly obvious favorite, like not so immediately funky and punchy as others, but it was one that I came back to as being like, yeah, this actually got quite a nice rhythm to it. Kind of grew on me. On in the terms of the actual sound, I'm not sure about the lyrics. There's one section where the guitar just starts playing like a Dido song, <laughs> and then it goes back to being like a '90s video game. And it's like, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah, this is the one where the lyrics kind of really go off the rails a bit um it's so oh, this is the one yeah <laughs> if you know what i mean yeah i think so, this is the most yeah, this batman is like, one this is supposed to be from batman's from batman perspective and, and yeah he's like cracking these dirty jokes that it's like it's funny but it's not in the the joke isn't funny it's just funny that this line was put in a song and credited to being from batman's perspective <laughs> trust then uh i think Having a higher tempo actually worked quite well for this song because it brought back that energy that I liked on the future, where it was it was a bit more dancey. It had felt a bit more energetic than a lot of the songs that we've just been through. Yeah, I noted that it was quite fast compared to the others as well, and I'm not sure if that really worked with the sound, um, soulful sound of it. I didn't really decide on that, but there's, there's <laughs> like a slappy bass that came yeah. in as well. That was quite there nice. was a lot of, um, I call it boogie energy in this. This felt very, very high octane. Um, and I wonder, mm. I have no idea whether it was or not. Was this used for a chase scene? The way that it's moving through a lot of musical ideas fairly quickly, um, and it's got this very intense drum beat to tie them all together, it does sound a bit like a chase scene. Um, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But um, This yeah. was one of the songs used in the movie. It would not surprise me if this was used in some kind of fight or chase or some sort of scene along those lines. Um, yeah, horns are really cool. Uh, kind of gets lost, though. Um, I think um, somebody mentioned... James, did you say that the drums got lost last time and it kind of lost itself towards the end of the track? Um, I felt that this did exactly the same thing. Um, yeah. After about three minutes, I go, well, where's this going? I don't think even the song knew where it was going after a while, which, again, kind of for maybe for this is where dialogue is meant to be and someone's talking and then we're going to move on to another musical idea when they finish talking. I liked this one. Um, perhaps one of my favourites of this album, to be honest, but it's just my sort of jam where it's like, it's funky and it's more upbeat and it has possibly cowbells or something similar, which is like instant win in my books. That's basically just all the music I listen to. Um, and it's it has like a quite Oingo Boingo-esque horn bit that comes in. Um, yeah, one of the biggest similarities, I think, to the other album. According to whatsong.com, uh, Trust plays at 1 hour and 36 minutes into the movie, 
and the description of the scene is that the Joker throws $20 million at the nighttime parade to the townspeople of Gotham. Fun. Uh, the next track is Lemon Crush, which links in to Oingo Boingo because it has a marimba-type sound in it. It does. Right, scandalous. <laughs> I found this one. Uh, oh, that was quick. I adored this. I really love Lemon Crush. This was genuinely my favourite by a long way. Um, yeah, this is how you should do a sexy, dancey song. It's really, really good. Um, we mentioned Michael Jackson earlier for Arms of Orion. Um, I kind of wonder if this is somewhere else where potentially a collab was meant to happen or could have happened or should have happened or whether Prince in his weird obsessive way was just going, he's going to be here even if he's not. Um, loads of Lindrum, use of orchestral drops as well. I noticed that really early um, sampling technique that uh, Michael Jackson used. Bruno Mars has done it on his nostalgia throwback tracks. Um, yeah, you'll know what I mean. Um, orchestra hit sample, just Google it and you know exactly what I mean and go, oh yeah, it's here, everywhere. Um, and the whisper vocals and everything, it had this wonderful, um, again, Jackson-esque pop um, energy, which was really good. I really like this a lot. Yeah, I found it, I found it really corny, um, but catchy at the same time. Um, it was fun, uh, a lot of danciness. Um, there were like there were a lot of odd licks and pieces of um, guitars that was really satisfying, um, and there was a bit of percussion at the end which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, it was just really catchy and typical 80s love song, really. I think the same as um, Oingo Boingo. If you sit down and try and critique it, you're going to get some very nasty results because it does feel very twee. Um, but I, again, if you're just shuffling around your kitchen, this is going to be really good and you're going to start boogieing. It's really good if you're not paying that much attention to it which is a weird way of thinking about music, but I think there's some truth to it. Scandalous. Um, it has a really good uh, synth pad part, mm. and I like how they have kind of like the density changing in it, so they have like chords for the most part, and then they've got a little bit where it runs up single notes. It kind of like makes the track feel small for a moment and then big again. Um, but it just plays over and over again the same thing for like five minutes. It becomes a bit boring it's way too long uh and it's way too in the moment as well i really dislike the really raw vocal takes um where it's a little bit off tune and it's way 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 too self-interested um if this was two minute interlude it'd be wicked might be my favorite um but the fact that it just drones on um with these really uh this Prince-esque vocal delivery, um, it feels really tired after about two minutes. I get really bored of this. I didn't enjoy this at all. Knowing what we know about Prince, um, the, the lyrics were pretty... Uh, yeah, I, really, um, I wasn't going to mention it. Yeah, this was not... It's not... Yeah, I didn't really enjoy this one. Uh, it was another kind of well, ballad song in the in the album and it just yeah it wasn't it wasn't great yeah i found it a little bit uncomfortable to listen to kind of felt like i was almost just intruding by listening to it on something or other <laughs> um <laughs> it's very print i guess like in terms of just being a slow jam but i don't know yeah it's it's just found it out of place for batman again maybe it, like they, maybe that out of place feeling is it's at its worst here <laughs> yeah. It's just that weird interplay of um, obsessive creativism of this must be the raw vocal take and this must sound like it all came out of, you know, one particular performance mixed with that kind of creepy energy, um, mm. which seems to sort of permeate this album. Uh, yeah, wasn't very enjoyable. Didn't like it. Then we go on to, I guess, the most interlinked Batman song in the album, Bat Dance, where it's just a beat with a bunch of like Batman 
quotes from the movie over the top of it. Mm. And I really didn't enjoy this one. It's just like, what what are you doing? Like, it's all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I did like this a lot, actually. Uh, I love Tubular Bells-esque soundtrack. Um, and again, it starts out so well, and then something has to spoil it. Um, the samples got very weird very quickly. The sampled screaming at the end gets very weird, borderline creepy, again. Um... It's like damsel in distress syndrome, and I just thought, ugh, yuck! It's 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 not gonna fly. I like the the corny Batman mm. singing thing. Well, they just say Batman. That was kind of funny. Um, the guitar lick halfway through is not great, not deal breaker, but then like the second half happens and just kind of falls apart. Nothing. It's just disappointing. Um, but there's like a, I think there's a sample of the Joker laughing. I quite like that near the end. That was a nice way to finish it. I quite liked this song, but even if I think thought it was a mess at points, but I found it enjoyable. I think in its kind of chaoticness, and I liked all the samples. Again, maybe like I wouldn't, I probably would get bored of it over time if I kept coming back to it. I wouldn't necessarily listen to it too regularly, but I did think it was a fun experience to, yeah hear all the different points uh, from the film. To link it back to the movie as well, I can imagine this is a um, ending credit song um, in some form or another, um, which again, isn't necessarily surprising. It's, it's the last track on the album. Uh, and again, I loved it, but then it went too far. And now I don't like it anymore. <laughs> Just to close out our thoughts on um, Batman then, uh, in 2016, film critic Matt Zola cites praised Prince's music and uh, praised Prince's songs and music videos for Batman, uh, stating that his songs suggest a goofy, perverse, sensuous, somewhat introverted Batman film that so far we've never gotten from anyone, and arguing that Prince's music videos are more psychologically perceptive than any of the Batman films. <laughs> so if you've been listening to these four episodes and thinking, oh, all of our four takes are terrible on everything, someone is even worse at making takes about things on the internet than we are. There you go. <laughs> right, any general thoughts on this album or parting uh, impressions before we get on to which album we think is better? Um, pretty groovy, but sadly very creepy. I thought this was a surprisingly good counter album to Oingo Boingo, and I'm kind of impressed that, well, you could come up with this, that you might have just come up with this as being, <laughs> that's just yeah. such a rogue choice. But it works in comparison to the other. The two have a real synergy, um, weirdly. There is like this crossover of energy, which again maybe the Danny Elfman um influence. Um but yeah, they do work. They are two branches of the same tree, in a sense. Cool. Then let's ask, as we always have to in this mini series, which album wins? Um for me it's cut and dry, Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party is leagues better um yeah there aren't moments where you're like "Ooh, that's creepy and the music is actually fleshed out and well written and i would like to listen to it again unlike the batman album james um <laughs> the oingo boingo one if you anal analyze it like we've done I think it's definitely better, but like the visceral reaction to the Batman one kind of won me over. <laughs> and the fact I can just throw it on playlists and it just works. Yeah. I'm going to vote for the Batman one. Jess? Yeah, I think I had more fun the first time round listening to Batman than Oingo Boingo, but that then after that, it's basically gone downhill. Whereas if Oingo Boingo, I've noticed more things and appreciated it more i think um and have yet come to realize that the sound there's a lot more going on in it there's a lot of depth whereas with batman perhaps it is lacking some things um 
and sometimes what is there is a bit off. <laughs> so I am gonna go with my clown music, Oingo Boingo. Tom. Oh, Oingo Boingo, no question. Um, th uh, this was the strongest pairing out of all the ones we've heard, in my humble opinion. I thoroughly enjoyed both albums for very different reasons, um, but Oingo Boingo was by far the winner. The winner for me across the entire, all these episodes, what we've been doing. It's kind of funny that people have been saying that this is the best pairing because I did put the Batman soundtrack in as a joke originally. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, please, let's do that. That sounds great. Yeah, they're just kind of like, in a lot of ways, they're really similar. It's mm. good, though. It's, it's fun and loose. You know, it, it, I wasn't reviewing this seriously and didn't need to worry mm -hmm. about genre history or anything. I just go, this is fun. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And there you have it. Three to one. Uh, Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo wins. Our first non-unanimous win yeah that's true oh, yeah. yes <laughs> because we've had two well. unanimous wins and a draw <laughs> and now we have if to playing... we have to cancel this miniseries now because they're going to run out of unique combinations of answers pretty soon and then it'll just be boring <laughs> yeah exactly if, if you're playing unmuted and master bingo uh <laughs> combinatorics if you yep. put combinatorics in a, a a square you can tick that off Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. I guess we'll have another episode before the New Year, so you, I rescind my Happy New Year. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> if you like the show, why not give someone the Christmas gift of sharing it with them? Uh, or give us the Christmas gift of a positive review on your podcast service of choice. Or give yourself the Christmas gift of following us on social media at Unmuted Weekly on Twitter or at Unmuted wow. Unmastered on Instagram. You can also drop us an email to wish us Merry Christmas at UnmutedUnmastered at gmail.com. Such a natural host. Yep. Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> That's it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>